0: Well, I'm so thankful that you're tuned in to this five-part audio teaching series, which is entitled Exposing Satan's Playbook, How We Can Win Every Battle. This is CD2, and in CD2, we're going to talk about exactly that, Exposing Satan's Playbook. You know, Satan uses fear, uses doubt, uses lust, envy, jealousy, worry, and many other forms of sin in an attempt to take us down as Christians. He wants to convince us to walk away from God's perfect will, our calling, and out of his favor and covering. In this CD, we're going to take a deep dive into how we can not only avoid the enemy's assignments, but turn them around for God's glory and walk in complete victory. Are you ready? This is CD2, Exposing Satan's Playbook. Okay, I'm very excited about this teaching because I believe, honestly, this is something that God has been preparing me to teach for over 25 years. Um, It's something that is a pivotal part of my calling. And, you know, I came from the world, and the Lord showed me the evil and the devices that Satan uses against not only people in the world, but people in Christ, and how we can have complete victory and walk in these things if we understand these concepts. So that's what we're going to go through today. I highly encourage you. To take notes, um, to take notes of the scriptures. We're going to walk through Ephesians chapter 6. If you have your Bible, you can turn there, Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to just talk about what God says to do here in verse 10 through 17, because he's very uh, explanatory. He breaks this all down what we need to do, what the battle is, and how we beat this thing, how we win the battle. And we walk in that complete victory that I often talk about. So very, very important. If we understand the devices of Satan, we are set up for success as a Christian. I don't know if you heard me, so I'm going to say it again. If we understand the devices of Satan, we are set up for success. Now, not only understanding them, but also knowing how to battle them and to go into the courts of heaven and knowing how to go into what I call the war room. And in the war room, I go into the courts of heaven, and that's where I do my warfare and battling. Because although things are happening in the natural, we know that the battle is not against flesh and blood, it's against strongholds and principalities. Now, there's not a lot of people in the church today that really go deep into this. Sometimes you'll sit in a church for many years and you won't even hear anything about spiritual warfare, and yet this is one of the most important things for a Christian, especially a Christian who is walking out their calling in the optimal calling that God has on their life that said, yes, like the prophet Isaiah, send me, I'll go. You've said yes, you've shown up, you are getting information from the Holy Spirit, you're getting what I call downloads as you're spending time in prayer. You're having a two-way conversation, not just a one-way conversation. You're not just asking God, in other words, what you want, but you're inquiring of the Holy Spirit about what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. And it's not just for that season, but it's also for that day. We can inquire, you know, Lord, what do you have for me today? Or Lord, what do you have for me in this season? And we have to take time to hear the Lord and to inquire of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to get into this. These are the devices of Satan. Okay, now let's read. Uh, First, I'm just going to do a little introduction here. So Paul penned these words in Ephesians in the sixth chapter. This was the Apostle Paul who penned these, okay? And he says this in Ephesians 6.10. He says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So let's stop there. He's instructing us we need to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So it's not by our might, not by our power, but by the spirit of the Lord. It's by it's by his spirit. It's by his presence. It's by his authority. It's by his strength. We have to understand that. If we try to do it on our own, we're going to fail. Okay? If we try to do it on our own, we're going to fail. We need the strength of the Lord. We have to have the strength of the Lord. Amen? I think this is where a lot of believers get hung up because they'll get a vision and then they try to make it happen on their own. And we know that God often gives the vision and later then gives the provision. So, you know, we just have to show up. We have to say yes, like I said earlier, and show up and then, you know, do our part, but we can't do God's part. God can only do his part. So that's why he's saying we have to be fully reliant on him. We have to be strong in the Lord. We got to be faithful because without faith, it's impossible to please God. But we got to, to understand that we have to rely on his strength and his might. Does that make sense? So let's continue. In 6.11, it says, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Okay, I'm going to continue here because we had a lot to cover. In Ephesians 6.12, it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. So this is one of the most important concepts of Christianity and our faith, because we have to understand, although it manifests in the natural, we are actually battling a spiritual battle. When we look at the political environment in the United States, a lot of people say pastors don't get involved in politics. But if we apply this concept to it, we understand the political situation, the situation in our schools and universities, the situation with our young people, the situation in our marriage. It's all about a spiritual battle. Now, the main battle in this world is for our soul. The devil wants us to be discouraged. He wants us to walk away from God. The main battle is for your soul and for the soul of everybody else that you know. There is nothing we can take to heaven except souls. That's it. We're not gonna take any worldly possessions. We're not gonna take anything in this world, no matter how wealthy you are, no matter how much you've accomplished, all the things, the accolades that the world has to offer, the pats on the back, none of that matters other than souls and the state of our heart And if we're going to be going to heaven, if our name is written in the Lamb's book of life, if we're going to be spending eternity in hell, that's it. So the struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the powers, against the forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, the last part of that verse is very important too, because it says in the heavenly places. And a lot of us forget that this battle, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. We are fighting with these forces forces that are in the heavenly places. That's why it's in the spiritual realm. And this is why it's so significant that we understand. I call it the war room, my prayer closet. You can call it whatever you want. You can go in your car. You can walk around your neighborhood, wherever you can get along with the Lord and go into the war room or go into prayer, deep prayer and intercession, where you're calling upon the name of the Lord and you're specifically understanding how to spiritually war for your family, For your loved ones, if you're not married, that's okay. For your future spouse or if you remain single, just for your livelihood, for your life, for your soul, for doors that are opened in front of you, for closed doors, for the things that are not of God to shut and the things that are of God to open. So we're constantly praying for God to guide our path, for us to stay on the right course, not to get off the path, not to get off the the perfect will of God. We don't wanna go necessarily into the permissible will of God, although that's okay, We'd rather be in the perfect will of God. And for us to do that, we have to be aligned with his Holy Spirit, which means we have to spend time in prayer and inquire of his Holy Spirit, if that makes sense. So these are very important concepts. Now, if we continue on, this verse is so powerful. There's so much to unpack here. In Ephesians 6:13. it says, Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist the devil in that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Different interpretations say different things. But the bottom line is we have to put on the full armor of God. We've got to be able to resist the the wiles of the enemy, the things that he tries to do in our life, the, the fiery darts of hell. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail. And what do we have to do? This is why I talk about standing so often, because the Bible specifically says after we put on the full armor of God, what do we have to do? Well, we got to resist the devil, because if we resist the devil, he flees. But also we have to stand. Once we've done everything else, stand, 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 stand. There are a lot of people caving, capitulating, giving up, giving in, and that is really how we lose because there's not a lot of ways to lose in Jesus. I want you to understand that. we are. Listen, if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and you have the Holy Spirit guiding you in your heart and you're submitted to the Holy Spirit and you're inquiring of the Holy Spirit and you're following what the Lord is instructing you to do each day, you are going to be a successful human being. You are going to be successful in this world and for eternity because you're going to rule and reign with Jesus Christ. So there is really, it's actually harder to lose in Christ than it is to win. The way that we lose is, is that you basically just have to give up. You got to say, well, I just, I'm done. I give up. You know, you walk away from the Lord or, you know, if you do that, you lose. Or even if you just put your head down and basically say, you know what, I have no fight left in me. Well, then you're not applying this scripture because the scripture is saying we have to rely on his strength and his might. And that's why they even say in the word of God, the apostle Paul said, we got to encourage ourselves in Christ. We've got to encourage ourselves in Jesus Christ. That is a hard thing to understand sometimes because we're in a world that I believe a lot of people uh, are basically walking out what I call microwave Christianity. They want everything to happen real quick. They want it to be easy. They want it to be, you know, right right away, just something very satisfactory. And, and that's it. They don't want to walk through challenges and ups and downs and you know mountains and, and desert seasons, okay? But that's what walking out this thing is. You're gonna have your valley and your mountaintop experiences in Christ. And that's okay. Because sometimes in our biggest trial is when we have the biggest breakthrough. Sometimes the Lord will turn that around for his glory, just like when I personally, in my testimony, for those of you that don't know my testimony, I actually got stabbed nine times at the age of 23, one in the heart. And the Lord sustained my life, and that was actually my Damascus Road encounter. That's when I changed my life from being a very worldly, very messed up individual into being uh, who I am today. So the Lord used probably the worst situation that's ever happened in my life, being stabbed, having a bunch of scars, having one go into my heart, and literally almost dying, and then going into the presence of God And the Lord saying, look, do you want to live or do you want to die? I said, Lord, I want to live. He says, well, if you live, you got to tell people two things. Number one, you got to be sold out for me and on fire. And number two, you got to tell people I'm real. And I said, yes, Lord. And he said, well, there you go. And and I woke up in the hospital and people said, it's a miracle that you're alive. I knew it was. And God empowered me and anointed me to walk out this calling. Now, has there been tough times since then? That's many, many years ago. Yes. There's been seasons that have been very difficult. People have accused me. I've gone through different challenges over the years. It's not easy. Anybody that told you this thing is going to be easy, they lied to you or they didn't know. But the truth is, is that anybody who's been in Christ for a long time and has been faithful and has been walking out this calling understands that when you're over the target is when you get the most flack. So if you're walking out your calling and you're calling out the the things of the enemy, and you're you're being a bold Christian in this hour, you better believe there's going to be spiritual warfare. But God's also given us all the tools that we need. So we have to understand the devices of Satan. So put on the full armor of God. You're going to resist the devil when when the temptation comes. And having done everything, stand firm. We're going to continue on in Ephesians 6.14. It says, stand firm therefore, again, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. This means be consecrated you know, speak truth, don't buy the lies, don't fall into the deception. That means we need to have discernment. Discernment is such a critical part of the Christian's life today. We all need discernment because there is so much deception. There is so many lies being purveyed. I call the fake news media, the modern day prophets of Baal. You may like the media, but did you know that the media is owned at least here in America by six corporations? 90%. That's a fact. And these are the same corporations that are pushing the LGBTQ agenda. These are the same corporations that are woke. And these are the corporations that are paying for your news. So do we trust them? Are they giving us facts? Most likely not. Most likely it's propaganda. Most likely it's, it's a, an agenda. And I think more people in the body of Christ are waking up to this fact, but I think many are still asleep. So we have to understand that, of course, this world, which has fallen, these corporations, Hollywood, the media, do we really think they're going to be pushing righteousness? Not in this time, not right now. Now, maybe if the church takes the territory back and we take this nation back, then yes. But right now, that's not the case. They are not telling us the truth. So we have to stand firm. We have to gird our loins with truth. That means we've got to be truth seekers. We have to put on the breastplate of righteousness. That means being holy. The Bible says, be set apart, be holy. Be holy for I am holy. In Ephesians 6.15 It says, and having shod your feet in the preparation of the gospel of peace. What does that mean? The gospel of peace. Well, look at what the devil's trying to do. I mean, he's trying to divide the church. I'm talking about the real church, the ecclesia, the body of Christ. Do you see the infighting? Do you see many people that are are anxious? The Bible says be anxious for nothing. All things in prayer and supplication, giving glory to God. But how many people do you know are anxious? They have anxiety. Do you deal with that? That's okay. I'm not condemning you if you do. There is therefore no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ. I'm not condemning you, but what I am saying is is that this is a spiritual battle that you're in. Depression, that's a device of the enemy. Oppression, that's a device of the enemy. We have to understand these are spirits. I know the doctor will try to give you a pill for it, but you can't fix a spiritual problem with a chemical solution. (laughs) I'm just going to be honest with you. It doesn't mean I'm against pills. I'm not against medication. I think God's given us some of those things. But many people are addicted to those things or they go to those things instead of going to God, when we have to go to God first. So we shot our feet in the preparation of peace, and that's what we need to do. In addition, Ephesians 6, 16, it says, to all taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all of the flaming missiles of the evil one. Thank God for that because there's a lot of missiles. I don't know about you, but being in the ministry here, we have a lot of missiles coming at us all the time. Where do I fight this battle? I fight it in the courts of heaven. The accusations, the slander, the lies, they are going to come at you because Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He's probably not going to go after so much people that are in the world that are already given to sin, that are already on their way to hell. He's going to go after the saints. That's his device. So he's going to be shooting those arrows and those darts and those missiles. But if we have the shield of faith, so this is where we have to understand that even though when you're in the middle of your biggest trial and your biggest test, if you can muster up the faith of a mustard seed, the mountain is going to be moved. It doesn't even need to be a lot of faith, but you just, you know that you know that you know that God is in control of your life. You know that you know that you know that ultimately the Lord sees and hears your prayers And he sees your situation and he knows what you're going through. And as you're praying and you're consecrating yourself and you're calling upon the name of the Lord, sometimes you gotta fast because it says some things only through prayer and fasting. So fasting is a weapon of our warfare. But you do these things and the the gates of hell will not prevail. They will not, they cannot because that is the way the law is written. That is the way it is written. And Satan has to obey the word of God just like we do. And he has no way around it. If you put on the shield of faith, you're going to be protected because that's going to extinguish not some, it says all the flaming missiles of the evil one. Faith is so important to God. Faith, faith, faith. It's one of the most important things. That's why it says without faith, you can't please him. God wants us to have faith. Doubting is another device of the enemy. Doubt, fear, all of that. He uses these things to try to separate us from God. But what does the scripture say? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall persecution, shall famine, shall nakedness, shall peril or sword? Nothing. Nothing shall separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. And it's his love that casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Hallelujah. So number one, the lie Satan uses to devour us is the lie. That's one way he tries to devour us. He's a liar. Satan used this method on Adam and Eve. If you're taking notes, you can go to Genesis 2.16 or 17, 3, 1 through 4 Because they ate of the forbidden tree. They died spiritually and began to die physically from that day on. Satan used this method on Judas. He lied to Judas. He lies to us today. He has deceived many of us into believing there's no hell. Some people say, and they're right, Satan's biggest lie is that he doesn't exist. The people that are proclaiming atheism, they're some of the the people that have the most faith out of anybody. Because if you can believe that we came from a big bang, wow, you have faith. Where did the Big Bang come from? I mean, just logically, think about it. Did we really come from an ape? Where did the ape come from? It's like, who came first, the chicken or the egg? It doesn't make any sense. But yet, it's a way for people to ignore their sin. It's a way for people to, to think that they're getting away with their sin by saying God doesn't exist because then you don't have to have any moral compass, really. Anything goes. That's the world that we're in today. And that's why the world is such a mess. And Jesus is the answer. Satan is a liar. Okay, once he convinces people to think that there's no hell, then there's little trouble persuading them to follow the philosophy, let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. He says drinking won't hurt you. There's a lot of people that are addicted. He says it's good for you. He says it leads to a good life. He doesn't tell us the terrible consequences of drinking. He doesn't tell us that it destroys our health, our families, and leads to temptation, accidents, and condemnation. You know, there's so many different things that we can talk about that he he lies to us about. You know, the, he, he, it's, he looks at what we long gaze at. What are you looking at? You know, I'm not against dancing. I mean, dancing is fine, especially if you have a spouse. But, you know, seductive dancing is wrong. You know, because what that does is it causes people to lust. And the lust of the flesh is sin. And so sometimes, you know, you'll be on a business trip or... You'll be out somewhere and maybe your spouse isn't there or maybe, you know, even if you're single and there's there's a temptation and and Satan opens a door and then we have to make a decision. Do we want to walk through that door of temptation? And do we want to then have the consequences that we'll have to deal with after going through that temptation? So he's a liar. He makes it look like the grass is greener on the other side. I always say if the grass is greener on the other side, you're probably not watering your own lawn because if you took care of your own lawn, the, the other side grass wouldn't look better. But we have to understand the devices of Satan. He's a liar. Number two, Satan uses Scripture to devour the saints. How does he do that? Because he knows the Scripture so well. Think about it. He knows the Scripture. He perverts Scripture. In fact, if you want a verse that will, you know, accommodate that and say, yes, that's actually what he does, you can go to Matthew 4, 6. Uh, You can go to Psalm 91, 11, and 12. Satan perverts scripture. Many people today are led astray by a sermon filled with scriptures. They think that the lesson filled with scripture must be true. Not always the case. Satan has ministers who appear to be righteous, but pervert the scriptures and lead per, uh, precious souls to eternal damnation. So we've got to be careful. You know, the Bible says that there are false apostles. There's deceitful workers. There's just, uh, people disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Christ. These are wolves in sheep's clothing. And uh, it also says that no wonder for Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. I always tell people, Satan is not going to knock on your door in a red outfit with horns. He's going to come in as an angel of light. He's going to look like a better opportunity. He's going to look like, you know what, uh, your wife, she's this, she's that, you know, all these issues, but look at over there. That's perfect. Perfect. That's the bet. You need to get rid of your situation. God made a mistake. You made a mistake in getting married. Now, I'm not saying if you're divorced, that's the end all be all because you know, there's different situations. There's even times in the Bible where it says it's okay to get divorced. And this is an area where the church uh, is very condemning. And sometimes they shame people for getting divorced when actually the Bible says it's perfectly fine in that case. If somebody cheated on you, the unbeliever left, there's different scenarios where divorce is okay. I don't want you to get hung up on something that's happened in your past. If you're divorced, if you're single, it doesn't matter. God is not a respecter of persons. And the old things are thrown away in the sea of forgetfulness. If you've repented of a sin that you've committed, no matter what it is, because trust me, I've committed many sins in my life, you've repented and you've walked away from it, that's all God wants. But we need to talk about the things as as a believer, Satan is using these devices He wants us to think as a married person, if you're married, he wants you to think, hey, that person's a better fit for you. So divorce your current spouse and do it in the name of Christ. That's not the scripture. Now, again, there are certain instances where it's okay to leave. There are certain instances where God says, yes, divorce is permitted in this case. But not just because we think the grass is greener on the other side. We have to be careful because this is a device of the enemy. Oh, look, they're so good in ministry. They're so much better of a fit for your calling. So all you need to do is walk away. Yeah, but there's a plan in that. There's a plan in that. And the devil has a plan in that. And so we need to be prayerful. We need to be mindful. We need not to get caught up in the devices of the enemy and the lies. He is a liar. There are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Uh, Therefore, it's not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their deeds. So we gotta just be careful about these things as, you know, always test the spirits. Always make sure that it's in the mouth of two or more witnesses. You know, the Bible says in the mouth of two or more witnesses, his word shall be established. In the mouth of two or more witnesses. So if you're unsure about something, ask the Lord to confirm it. It also, by the way, should already confirm in the word of God. There's a lot of people giving words and some of them are great. Some of them are Holy Spirit inspired, but some people are just speaking out of their flesh to give a word and they'll give a word and if you just take that word and you've never heard what that person's saying before, God has not spoke that to you. It has not been confirmed in the mouth of two more witnesses. It's not confirmed in his word and they're just saying something to say it then that's not of God. It has to be something that is in alignment with his Holy Spirit, in alignment with his word, and in alignment with probably what God is already speaking to you or somebody in your alignment or close in your life. They've already said this to you, or it's a confirmation or it bears witness in your spirit. But I think a lot of people are led astray because they just go by what another person says and it doesn't confirm and it's not in the word of God. It is not aligned with the word of God. And then they go, you know, hey, you're called to move to this place okay, the prophet said I'm called to move there. And then you just move there. And then all of a sudden you're like, why isn't this working out? Now God will fix it. He'll redeem the situation, but you can really save yourself from a lot of you know, hurt and just a bunch of bad things that would happen in your life if you make sure that it's the Holy Spirit. One of my mentors used to say, was it the Lord that said that or was it Lord Vader? <laughs> we don't want it to be Lord Vader. We want it to be the Lord. We want it to be the Holy Spirit. And that's why it bears witness in the spirit of the Lord. And it bears witness according to his word. Very important concept. So Satan uses the scripture. He tries to distort it. He tries to pervert it. Look what's happening with marriage. And there's a big infiltration, even in the body of Christ, where people are trying to now say it's okay for a man and a man to be married. It's okay for a woman and a woman to be married. That is not true. The Bible never said that. They're distorting scripture. They're using certain scriptures. You hear this uh, phrase, love is love. And you know, that's not true because the Bible says what love is. The agape love is from the father. It's pure, it's holy, it's righteous. It's in accordance to his word. It bears witness in the spirit of God. It doesn't change or distort scripture in any way, shape, or form. In fact, the Bible says, do not change anything in the word of God. Nothing. The Bible is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Those that are trying to change it, distort it, pervert it, those are liars. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. They are trying to make it sound good. That's what the devil has always done. That's one of his main devices. He did it in the Garden of Eden. Well, did God really say that? And that's what he'll say. Did God really say you can't cheat on your wife? Did God really say you can't cheat on your husband? Did God really say you can't do this or you can't do that? Listen, you know and I know when it's sin, but we willingly say yes to it. We willing, and it usually doesn't just happen overnight. It usually is something that the devil has been inching, inching, inching just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, that's how he comes. He doesn't knock on the door in the red suit with the horns. He comes as an angel of light. He comes very slow, sometimes very, very methodical. You know, it's what you long gaze at. It's what you've been staring at. He knows what you want. He hears what you're saying. He can't read your mind, but he knows what you want. And this is why so many good and anointed people fall because they fall into the trap because they think it's God, but it's not God. They didn't inquire the Holy Spirit. They didn't have elders and mentors and people in their life that they were accountable to, but instead they just went ahead and did it. You know, thought it was God. There's a lot of people saying a lot of things. We have to have discernment. We have to have wisdom. We have to know the scripture. That's why the Bible says, study yourself to be approved. This is another problem in this hour is that many people are not lovers of the word. They don't know the word. You may be Christian. You may be saved. Your name may be written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but how often are you actually studying the scripture? Faith comes from hearing. Hearing from what? The word of God. A lot of people are spending a lot of time on social media, a lot of time on all these other sites and checking this out and checking that out and reading people's books and, hey, look, books are great. But if you're not getting in the Word of God, you're missing the most important thing. I call it the basic instructions before leaving earth, the Bible. God literally gave us a roadmap. He gave us an instruction man, manual for life. Think about that. We have an instruction manual for life. How amazing is that? Super, super important, okay? Um, you know, there's people that are focused on finding fault in others, and they become what I call heresy hunters. It's like an obsession, They're constantly looking and the Bible says, look, don't worry about the speck in somebody else's eye, right? When you got a plank in your own. Now that doesn't mean there's not a time to issue a rebuke. There's not, that doesn't mean that there's not a time to approach somebody in the biblical protocol if there's sin in their life and you do it in love because you genuinely care if God has opened that door for you or put that on your heart, but there's a protocol and we need to know that protocol and you don't want to just blast it out to the whole world before going to the person. And going through the biblical steps for that. And that's another teaching for another day. But look into that. But there's a lot of heresy hunters. and There's a lot of chronic fault finders. And so Satan uses this to get a person into hell because they're constantly looking for the fault of preachers. You know somebody like that? Well, look at that, Pastor. He's got a Rolex. He must be all about money. You know, look at that, Pat. Look at his car. It's very nice. He's all about money. Now, I'm not saying there aren't people that are false pastors and false preachers that are caught up in material things and have walked away from their initial calling. Okay, I'm not saying that. There are wolves. But there's also a lot of people that are, that are chronically offensive. They're always in offense. They're always looking for an offense. Whatever they can find. I don't like the pastor's hair. I don't like his outfit. You know, I, he didn't say hi to me today. You know, there's just something that he did wrong because that is an excuse for them not to walk out their calling. See, a long time ago... I had to figure this thing out. I worked in a in a very large church, and I saw some things that were, to me, hurtful. And I thought, maybe even a little bit wrong. But God said to me, look, if you want to walk this thing out in the long run because you want to finish well, so that God says, well done, good and faithful servant, you want to finish well, that means that the relationship is not about man. Yes, there's some good pastors, there's some good elders, there's some good mentors in my life. Thank God for those people, they've been legit God has given me some amazing people that you know, I do have in my life, but some of us don't. But the truth of the matter is, is no matter what, whether you do have those people or you don't yet, that's okay because this is a relationship between you and the living God who sits on the throne of glory. This is a relationship between you and God. It's about your soul, your future. You've had the encounter with God. Other people were gonna, are going to let you down. People are going to let you down in the church. There's going to be people that fall. It's very unfortunate. It's very sad. There's collateral damage. But ultimately, the whole thing is, is this relationship is between you and God. It's not between the other people that have hurt you. Hear that. And if you apply that, you will have a long-term relationship with Jesus Christ. You'll be set up for success. Because if I put it on the pastors in my life, I would have fallen a long time ago. I'm just being real. I've been church hurt. Have you been church hurt? I've been church hurt. That's why I understand church hurt. I understand there's people that fall, even good people, even people that have good intentions will sometimes fall. But if I put my faith on them and not on God, I would have fallen with them. I want to be in this for the long run. It's about me and God and God and me. And I'm not saying that in a selfish way. I'm saying this is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We all as a believer have to find that place. It's a personal relationship. That's why we are like a tree that's planted by the water. We will not falter. We will not fall. We will not be swayed. If some big person in our life falls or does something stupid or something happens, it's not going to shatter our faith. It's not going to take us away from our faith because our faith is is founded and, and secure on the rock, the solid rock. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Don't be a heresy hunter. Don't be somebody who's chronically finding offense or fault in people. And by the way, The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling together of the brethren. Satan wants us to be alone. He wants us to feel isolated, alone. So a lot of people, I know you have a hard time finding a good church, especially in this day and hour. There's a lot of uh, people teaching weird doctrines and different things out there, and I get it. And many people, when I go all around the country, they say, Pastor Todd, I can't find a remnant church in my community. I understand what you're saying. I get it. Trust me. At first, I, I didn't really understand it as much until I started really looking into all the cities around the country, and I realized, wow, there's whole cities that don't really have a remnant church. And that's why I thank God he's developed communities online and different ways for us to come together as the Ecclesia and the true body of Christ. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, those that are willing to stand by the entirety of the word of God, those that are willing to walk out the entirety of the word of God and live holy and hunger and thirst for righteousness. Again, that's, that's a true believer, a real follower of Jesus. That's what a Christian is. It's a follower of Jesus Christ and his teaching. Have the Holy Spirit in our heart. So you do want to be planted somewhere if you can. And, and you ask the Lord. Say, Lord, give me a place. And you know, we found a church uh, a while back when we were looking for a church. This was uh, during a season when I wasn't pastoring. This was before that. Uh, but we found a good church. But we had to pray for it. We had to go to different churches for a while. And then we found a church that was solid. And that's actually where I ended up going to Bible school and eventually getting launched into ministry many years ago. But I remember we were looking in our community. We had to go to three, four, five different churches. We sat through different churches. We we were praying and seeking the Lord. And God led us to the right church. He led us to the church that he wanted us to be at. I believe that's what set us up for success in Jesus Christ. We don't want to forsake the assembly together with the brethren. Also, a church doesn't have to be a big hundreds and hundreds of people. I mean, literally, a church could be ten people, twelve people that are meeting. But it's a good thing to gather. To have that counsel of people in your life, to have that accountability, to have that encouragement and exhortation where we come together and we fellowship and we worship collectively because Satan wants us to be isolated, to make us feel like we're alone, and then we don't have the support, the spiritual support that we need. It's very important. So don't miss services if you're in a church or you found a good church, attend it. If you haven't, you know, go to the go-to people that you listen to online and make sure you're getting spiritually fed. You got to be feeding your soul. You don't want to be disconnected from the body. You want to make sure you're getting fresh revelation. You want to make sure you're getting fresh word. You're feeding your soul. That's a term that I use often. Feed your soul. Feed your soul with the word. Feed your soul in times of worship. Feed your soul in being in fellowship. Do not forsake the assembly together of the brethren. Okay, I got to get through this quick. He wants us to be ignorant of the word. That means a lot of people that are walking around that really don't know the word. They say, oh, the word, it's too difficult. I don't understand it, or I have a attention span problem and I just can't get into it. Well, there's many different ways around that. There's all different types of teachers now that are online. The Bible is now on audio. Uh, I know that you can, you can go and, and you know, listen to the Bible app and just push play, and it'll play this amazing version of the Bible where you don't even have to read. So we have no excuse in this hour. When we're in our car, when we're sitting in traffic, we can put on the Bible app. And just, I'm telling you, something comes from that. Okay, something comes from that. The the word of God does not return back void. We need to know what's in the word of God, okay? In order for us to stand, we have to be lovers of the word. That's gonna make us grow in Jesus Christ. Man shall not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes out of the mouth of God, Jesus Christ is the word. The word is the same, yesterday, today, and forever, amen? Um, There is... Another uh, lie that Satan uses where he says there's no need to stand up for the truth. There's no need to be outspoken. There's no need to say anything. That's a lie. He convinces members there's not any need to stand up for the truth because it will not do any good. Have you ever heard that? He puts fear in preachers so that they will not stand up for the truth. He tells them that they will be fired. Consequently, there are many preachers that will not stand against sin. (laughs) There are even so-called gospel preachers that will not preach against the sins of the flesh or other sins. But God's word teaches that we are to stand for truth and not be cowards. That's found in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, if you're taking notes. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Look that up. Uh, another thing that he does, and I got to get through these, is plenty of time. Still another device of Satan uses to devour us is tell us there's plenty of time to do the will of God. In other words, you don't need to do it right now. And I'm not saying everything is a now thing, but there's a lot of people that are sitting on instruction from the Lord that he gave you years ago, and you still haven't done it. And then you say, I don't hear the voice of the Lord. Well, if you don't hear the voice of the Lord, go back to the last thing he said to you. Did you accomplish that? Did you do that thing? Sometimes the teacher is most quiet during the test. Are you in a season of testing? Then go back to the word of God. He said everything that we need to know in the Bible. It's the basic instructions before leaving earth. If you're in a season where you're not hearing from the Lord, go to the word of God, you'll hear from him. I guarantee you, we got to get into the word And, and, and we can't just sit back and let everybody else do what we're meant to do. We've got to get in the game. We can't be sitting on the sideline. A lot of people are sitting on the sideline because of the fear. As I just mentioned, there's pastors that are saying, well, I don't want to speak that part of the Bible because I don't want to deal with the warfare associated with it. Well, then you're going to have to stand before the throne one day and you better believe that leaders are held to a higher standard. So you better get your house in order and you better do what the word of God says. Otherwise, you're literally going to bring judgment upon your house. I'm sorry, I got to say it. There's not plenty of time. There needs to be an urgency. We are in a late hour, ladies and gentlemen, a late hour, and there needs to be an anguish. There needs to be an urgency in our hearts. We've got to be about the work of the Lord. What is the work of the Lord? To go and make disciples of all the nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, to teach them the ways of the Word of God. If nothing else, if we're just out there doing the Great Commission, we're we're doing a good thing. We're doing the right thing. And then everything else will happen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. If you're seeking the heart of God and you're making it about souls, everything else will fall into place. I'm telling you. I know this for a fact. Be about the great commission. Be about the business of the Lord. Ask the Lord every day, what do you have for me today, Lord? Don't think there's plenty of time. And meanwhile, be sitting back and watching the latest Netflix series, and you got plenty of time to go through that and binge, but you're not getting into the word of God. Then you're wondering why nothing's happening in your life. Well, that's why. Because we, we really shouldn't even be, I mean, if there's such an urgency in this hour, I don't even know how people have time to do those things. I'm telling you, I know many of you are sports fans, I'm not against it, but I'm just saying if it's an idol in your life, there shall be no gods before our God, period. Whatever's an idol in your life, if singlehood, listen, when I was single, I didn't get married until I was 38 years old. When I was single, that became an idol. I had to lay it down before the Lord. It was only the day that I laid it down, it was like two weeks after I met my wife, <laughs> But the thing was, for years, it became an idol because people would say, why aren't you married yet? I don't understand. What's wrong with you? And, you know, there were places that wouldn't even invite me to preach because I was single. I'm not even kidding. I felt like a leper sometimes. You know, everybody was married but me, my cousins, my family. And it wasn't that I couldn't find a girl. I couldn't find the right girl. I was in Hollywood. I was in L.A. Everybody I knew was models and actresses. And hey, there's some good models and actresses. But it, it wasn't the right fit for me. And so I waited on the Lord. I called upon the name of the Lord. But when I laid down the idol, that's when the Lord delivered. And he went exceedingly and abundantly, by the way. So here's the thing, okay? Satan has a bunch of devices. Now we have considered some of the devices of Satan that get us into hell. Let's consider some of the ways God tries to keep us out of hell. Well, in Romans 5, 8, it says this, God has given his son that we may not be lost. He's given us Jesus Christ, the king of kings. He's never stepped down from the throne of glory. Think about that. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. Jesus is enough. He's more than enough. He's everything we'll ever need and more. And he's given us that so that we can be connected. Even though we're in a sinful world, he connects us back to a holy God. Number two, God provides us help in overcoming temptation. Thank you, Lord because sometimes we're too weak, but he is strong. That's why we have to rely on him in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, reliance on Christ in helping us overcome the temptation. We can't give in to the temptation, friends. Many people are giving in to pornography. They're giving in to addiction. They're giving in to gluttony. They're giving in to fornication. They're giving in to perversion. When we give in to those things, that's an open door in our life that Satan will use. If we leave one door open, he will use that door. Trust me, as a believer, he's looking for the open door. If we close all the doors and we don't leave any doors open, that's when he can't do anything. Resist the devil and he will flee. What happened when Jesus was tempted? He gave Satan no open doors and then the devil had to leave. Get behind me, Satan. We've got to learn to rebuke. The Bible says that we have authority to cast out, to drive out. That's what we do. There's a Greek word, ekbalo. It says, go out, cast out, drive out. That's what Christians are meant to do, to go out and make disciples, to cast out in the name of Jesus and to drive out of the territory by the power and authority in Jesus' name that we have. If we're walking in consecration and purity and holiness and righteousness, we're able to overcome the devices of the enemy because we are empowered. We're the church of, of Philadelphia, not the church of Laodicea. We're the empowered church. We have to be the empowered church, and that comes from the anointing. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. How do we get the anointing? We spend time in the secret place. You know that scripture, Psalm 91, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. It's critical, crucial, and important that we abide in the shadow of the almighty, that we fix our eyes upon Jesus, not upon the things of this world, that we spend time in the word, that we spend time in prayer, that our battle is fought in the secret place. Then we go into the courts of heaven. You're not going to go into the courts of heaven if you're still living in sin. Now, does that mean that we're ever going to be perfect or without sin? No, because he is without sin through the first stone. The Bible says all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. But the difference is we're repentant and we're not in repetitive sin. We've done what we can to get delivered, to get set free. We've got to fight for our deliverance and our healing. Just raising our hand and accepting Jesus is only point zero 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 one of Christianity. It's important that we continue to walk this thing out and we don't just drink the milk, but we get into the meat and we have to know the word of God to do that. Then we understand the plan of the enemy and we can flip the script. God provides us help in overcoming temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, write it down. God promises to forgive our sins. Thank you, Lord. I don't deserve it. He saved a wretch like me. In 1 John 1, 9, he promises to forgive our sins. Thank you, Lord. God described the horrors of hell in Matthew 25, 30. Matthew 25, 30, he he told us how bad hell is. He described it for us. and He says, I don't want you to go there. Listen, this whole reason why we have a little more time right now, I believe God has given us an extension to the reprieve. It's because he cares about souls. And I believe there's going to be a great harvest. It's already begun. In fact, the greatest end time harvest in the history of the world. We are on the cusp of that right now. I believe we're on the cusp of new life. We're on the cusp of revival. But we have to understand the devices of the enemy because the problem is even some of the best preachers and ministers and evangelists don't finish well. We've got to finish well. And for us to finish well, we have to understand how to battle in the spirit. Churches have to talk about spiritual warfare. We've got to understand it. We've got to become experts. All the tools we need are in the Bible. Put on the full armor of God. God has given us a vivid description of heaven in Revelation 21, 4. He described what heaven is like. He he lets us know this is where you're going. You're destined there. Life is but a vapor. You're just passing through. Your job on earth is to be about the business of the Lord, to be the hands and the feet, to be the body of Christ, to be the ecclesia, to show the love of Christ, to love thy neighbor, to teach people the ways of the word of God, to baptize them, to get them saved. Jesus is the answer for this dying world. Unfortunately, not a lot of people are evangelizing these days. They think that's only evangelists that do that. No, it's all of us as Christians. That's the great commission. God has an ask in the Bible and the ask is the great commission. Go and make disciples. Imagine if every church in America, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, where I live, there's a church on every corner, almost like a Starbucks. Imagine if every one of those churches was making disciples. And about the Great Commission, this whole city, I mean, this whole nation would be changed. We've got a lot of churches, but not a lot of people making disciples. We've got to make disciples. He's given us the description of heaven. We have the answers. We have the resources. We have the tools. God also tries to keep us out of hell. By inviting us to come to him in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to him, go to him, lay down your burdens, lay down your fears, lay down all the things that are not of him at the foot of the cross. Do it today. He wants us to stay out of hell. That's why he's given us more time. I don't think it's a mistake that you're listening to this. You may be going through a difficult situation in your life. Maybe you're having financial challenges. Maybe you're going through a a medical situation or an ailment or maybe you have what they, they consider to be a disease. And you're saying, does God have a solution? Is there an answer? And I say, yes, there is. Because his word says, yes, there is. The Bible says, by his stripes, you were healed. Start speaking words of life. The Bible says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Start speaking the truth of his word. Declare it to create over your situation. Bind and loose. The Bible says that what's bound on heaven is, is, is bound on earth. What's loose in heaven is loosed on earth. We have the authority in Yeshua's name and Jesus' name to bind these things and to loose them. This is the, if the church ever understands what we actually are capable of doing and we walk that thing out, that is the devil's worst nightmare. That is the, the, the demons and the demonics worst nightmare. If we understand what we're able to do in the name of Jesus Christ, we're able to do all things. The Bible says all things are possible through Christ who strengthens me. Full reliance on Jesus Christ. Will you accept this gracious invitation? Confessed Christ as the Son of God. I hope everybody on here has confessed Christ as the Son of God. Will you be baptized and live out every day for God? This is so important. If you haven't been baptized, it's a commandment of the Lord. It's an outward expression of an inward change. I believe the Lord wants to take you deeper. One of my good friends who's been in the Lord for many years just got baptized, and I can already see what God is doing in his life. The Spirit of God is moving. I believe the Lord wants to give us heavenly language. He says it in his word. Not it doesn't mean if you don't have your heavenly language you're not going to go to heaven. What I mean by that is your spiritual language, speaking in tongues. It doesn't mean you're not going to go to heaven, but what it does mean is that if you have it, it's just another weapon of the war that we can fight. We can win. Use your spiritual language. Start battling in the spirit. Go into the war room. If you don't have one, if you've never applied this concept, this will be a game changer in your life. Start being a prayer warrior take time if you ever gone to the gym you know and you had that discipline to every day or every couple of days go to the gym think about it's the same type of discipline only this is much more important it's your spiritual health and well-being and this is going to set you your family your loved ones your friends and your life up for complete success in the midst of the trial in the midst of the calamity in the midst of all the things going on in our world you're going to be set up for success in jesus christ He's given us every tool that we need. We have to understand the devices of the enemy. I wish I could go into this a little bit more, but I think we've covered a lot today. But, you know, you can always listen to my sermons. You can go to ToddCoconato.com and listen to my sermons every single week, and we talk about many of these things. But I just want to encourage you, friend, before we go on this CD, to lay down the things of this world and to rely on Christ Jesus. I'm going to read Ephesians 6 again, verse 10 through 17, as a closing, so that we just reiterate what we have to do. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil and against the evil forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Hallelujah. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand, stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all of the flaming missiles of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that you've given us this word today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for truth. We thank you for righteousness. We thank you that you want us to be set up for complete success and walk in complete victory. We thank you that even though there's crazy things going on in the world, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, against us, against the body. No fiery dart of hell will prevail because you've given us the full armor of God. And Lord God, I pray that each and every person listening to this, no matter what they're going through in their life, no matter if they're going through a storm, a trial, a test, a season of great, great discouragement, I pray that you'd fill them up. You'd strengthen them today. You'd anoint them, Lord God. You'd impart to them, Lord, just the peace that passes understanding, that their, their feet would be shot in that preparation of peace, that they'd put on the full armor of God, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, Lord God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God the helmet of salvation, Lord God. We thank you for the armor of God. We thank you for truth. We thank you for righteousness. We pray, Lord God, that we would be a shining example to those that watch our life, Lord God, and that we be a a tremendous testimony to you, Lord God, and that our lives are fully committed to you and that we're walking in your perfect will. I bless each and every person that's listening. Lord God, I pray that we'd be lovers of the word, that we'd go into the secret place, that we'd study ourselves to be approved, that we'd understand the courts of heaven and we'd go deeper into fighting our battle in the spirit and not engaging the demonic in this world, but instead going in the courts of heaven and understanding that the battle is not against flesh and blood, but against strongholds and principalities. Give us wisdom. Give us discernment in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, this concludes... This CD, CD2, which is The Devices of Satan. I thank you for listening to this CD. Please continue to listen to this series. I think God's got a lot more that he wants to speak to us, teach us, and equip us in this hour. God bless you. My name is Pastor Todd Coconato, and I encourage you to continue listening to this series. God bless.